Let's pray this message in. So excited to be able to give this one to you guys today. I just know it's a great message for the people who are here. So Lord God, we just commit this moment to you. Lord, I pray that you could use someone like me to inspire great people like this, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for the uniqueness on everyone, all of us different, but all of us brilliant. Lord God, I just pray you'd reveal a little bit more of you to us today. And we make a choice. Come on, church, let's make a choice. We make a choice to soften our hearts and say, speak to me. Lord, let everyone leave this place better. Let everyone leave this place determined to make our difference in this world. And all God's people said, turn to two people and say, this is going to be good. Our theme verse, if you're part of this church, you will know that our theme verse, and it's running through to Christmas, is this one in Mark 10, verse 45. It says this, Jesus speaking, for even I, even the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The the concept here being that we want to be people who reflect Jesus, and Jesus didn't come for Jesus, Jesus came for everyone else. And so how about we take that concept into our life and don't make it just about us, but make it about other people? Could we be people who are willing to lay down our own agenda to lift someone else up? And in doing that, we reflect Jesus. The reality is that we're all a little bit selfish. The place goes quiet. But that's cool. Do you know, you're okay. You're a human being. We will all wrestle with that. But surely as Christians, meaning like Christ... We want to do our best to become a bit more like Jesus. So how about we challenge our natural nature and say, do you know what? I'm not going to make it all about me. I'm going to make it about you. I look around me and I see all kinds of issues. I look around me and see great people who, who might be having a struggle. Could I be the one to step in and help them? It's this idea of getting your eyes off of me and onto someone else. That's what Jesus came for. To reunite us with the Father and to cause heaven to be experienced on earth. And the great thing is about the church is we get the opportunity to represent that and to help someone else experience a little bit of something on heaven and earth now. It's not just about getting to heaven one day. It's about having a great life now. John 10.10, that was our previous theme verse. The thief comes to kill, kill and destroy. But I, Jesus, I came that you'd have life in its fullness. It's always been Jesus' plan that you'd have the best life. People think he wants to box us in and ruin our life and squash us. That's the very opposite of what he said he came for. He said he wants to burst you out of boxes and let you have a full life, the abundant life. But then he says, don't just make it about you, make it about others. And when we make it about others, God makes it about you. And we get to experience something of heaven on earth now. And I love preaching this stuff because it's true, it's real, and it leaves you in a better place. And it leaves the people in your world in a better place because of you. So we've been doing a, a, this is the fourth session on love. And don't worry, men, I, I always wary about preaching about love when you've got men in the room. You know, because love's like, the, not really the language men want to talk, we want to talk about beer and football and fighting. And you come to church and they talk about love. And all the women are like, oh, it's lovely, I love church, it's all about love. And the men are like, flipping heck. But you know what, love counts for us too, men. And we've been talking about love in different ways. We talked about sacrificial love. Now, the idea of doing what it takes to bless someone else. We talked about tender love. Actually, the concept of walking in someone else's shoes. Easy to look at someone else and say, I'll be doing different, but would you? But could you be the person who steps into their life with them and just puts an arm around in a tender way to say, I care enough, I see you, 
I see the struggle and I want to step in tender love. We talked about tough love. Actually, loving someone enough to tell them the truth. The way you're behaving is not cool. I love you enough to say it. Because if you keep behaving like that, your life's going to end up on the rubbish heap. And I love you too much to watch it happen. So tough love alongside tender love is good. At the right times, in the right measure, in the right situation. Mix that in with sacrificial love. And it's like you're becoming this complete person who is able to do what it takes to help someone, who is able to care enough and see their situation, but is also tough enough to say, come on, I love you too much just to watch. And it builds this, what I think is a better and fuller picture of love. Today, I want to talk about outrageous love. Who loves a bit of outrageous? Yeah, I like a bit of outrageous. Let's have a look at here in Matthew 5, verse 38 through 41. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the person next to you and say, right cheek. Turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take off your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Here's the thing. We look at that and think, what on earth? What's he going on about, this Jesus guy? The people he was talking to would fully understand exactly what he's going on about. And what he was declaring was actually outrageous. And I want to help you unpack that this morning. So here we can talk about the cheek. You know, even today, we understand this phrase, cool, that was a slap in the face. Anyone ever heard that one before? Cool, that was tough. Oh, slap in the face, that was. This is where it comes from. So you've got to picture in their day, the men would have finished work and they'd be go to the town square and they would debate. The Jewish people love to debate. They'd d- debate theology. They'd debate the law. They'd debate how they're running their finances. They'd love a debate and have a chat. But inevitably, when you're debating something, sometimes someone gets upset. And if they get upset enough, the ultimate insult in public was to slap someone in the face. It's the ultimate. The ultimate put down, the ultimate public display of, I think you're an idiot, your views are pathetic, have that. That's what was going on. People knew that. See, today, that's probably everyday life, Jeremy Kyle. Back then, it was big. And here's Jesus saying, when you get the ultimate insult in public, rather than do what you normally do and rear up and go, hang on a minute, and the thing deteriorates, he says, Turn the other one and go, do you want to hit that one as well? That's big. That's outrageous. That is asking proud men, who may well be right, by the way, in this conversation, not to rear up, but to go, I care about you too much to have this row. Do you want to hit the other one? Because it makes no odds to me. That right there was outrageous. He had this idea of the cloak. Give your coat as well. Now, we need to understand what was going on right there. Traditionally, most people in that time would have three or four undergarments. And when I say undergarments, it's more like like a sheepskin kind of affair. Longish keeps you warm. They would wear it all of the time, and they'd have several of them to replace. But they would only have one overcoat. They were very, very expensive. In fact, they were so expensive that in law... They could do a deal with someone and use that coat as collateral. I can't pay you right now, 
But if you take my coat, they knew that you needed that coat. If they didn't have the coat at night, there was a good chance they were going to freeze. It got very, very cold at night. It became law that you couldn't keep someone's coat overnight. That's how serious the coat thing is. To us, it's just a coat. You know, biggie, I'll pop down TK Maxx tomorrow, get another one. That's not where they were living. The coat was huge. So even in a collateral deal, if they want to sue you, do you remember what it says? They want to sue you, it's because you can't pay. And they want to take your coat. That's what it's talking about. Jesus is saying, give them it. Let them have it. That right there is outrageous in its time. Not today, maybe, but then when Jesus was speaking, those people listening would have known what he was going on about. That's huge. Just give them your coat. Actually, I value our relationship, I value this business deal, and I value my honor more than I value the coat. You keep it. That was huge. It was outrageous. Then you had this idea of if someone forces you to go a mile, go two miles. You've got to bear in mind, this is all in the same breath, Jesus is saying this stuff. So they lived in a time when they were under Roman oppression, and a Roman soldier, whenever he liked, could go up to a Jewish man and say, here is my spear, my sword, my coat, my bag. You've got to carry it. I'm going that way. And by law, they had to carry it a mile. Couldn't argue it. It was the rules. You had to go one mile. At the end of that mile, it was now not law. So they could dump the stuff and run. Now, me and you would probably think, I've done my mile, you absolute mug. There's your stuff. I'm off. That's how probably we would react. It's forced, but they could do it any time. You could be just about to eat your dinner. No, we're not, we're not even that, are we? I'm starving. I'm not walking a mile with you. That was the law. You could just be about to plow your field. You've got to walk a mile. You could just be about to meet your children from something they've been doing all day. You've got, it was the law. Jesus says, rather than just go the mile, go a second mile. That is outrageous. You see, and what Jesus is doing here is trying to expand people's understanding of what heaven looks like. You see, we have a level of love which we understand, which is acceptable with people. Jesus says, heaven goes way beyond that. It's outrageous love. So if someone slaps you, it's okay. Give them the other cheek. If someone wants your undergarment, give them your coat as well. If someone wants to walk with you a mile, go another mile. Jesus is just stretching their understanding right there, and it would have been outrageous. So I've called the title of this message, Outrageous Second Milers. And my challenge to all of you today and to us as a church is, are we prepared to become outrageous second milers? And I want to show to you how actually, if we are prepared to go on that route, the fruit is amazing. Because it's another level of love, which isn't normal to us, but it's amazing if you'll go there. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's be challenged. Jesus is God's display of love to us. He's an outrageous demonstration of what it is to care so deeply that you'll do whatever it takes, even for a chance that it might work out. God loved us so deeply that he sent Jesus just for a chance that it might work out between us. He loved us that much. You see, he was sent by his father. Jesus came from heaven before anyone knew him, before anyone acknowledged him, and certainly before anyone believed in him. You see, he came from heaven to burst us out of boxes. 
He came from heaven to heal us. He came to heaven to forgive us. He came from heaven to set us up before any of us had decided what we were going to do with that. That in itself is outrageous. You know, I don't know if any of you men out there have fancied a girl in your life. You've spotted her across the room and you're like, oh, quite like her. Goes in and out in all the right places for me. Pretty face, nice smile. The heart starts going. There's a moment where you have to decide, are you going to lay yourself on the line for a chance? Because if you ask the question, would you like to go out on a date? You're putting yourself out there without her, her acknowledging you yet. That's quite outrageous for us men. Which is why nowadays women, you'll see it, they'll go to your friends and go, does she like me? Does she like me? Because we're not prepared to put ourselves outrageously out there, are we? Come on, men, toughen up. The girls love it, actually, if you ever go. Father God was outrageously in love with us that he wasn't worried about our response. He just said, I'm going to do it anyway. And he sent Jesus as his outrageous letter of love before we even acknowledged him. Do you know he loves us so much that he still gives us free choice? You can choose, you can not choose. He loves you enough, respects you and honors you enough to give you that free choice. You see, here comes Jesus. Jesus was the guy who stepped into the lives of the lepers and healed them. We need to know that the lepers in that time were excluded from society because it was so contagious. But what did Jesus do? He didn't live by the rules. He stepped in in an outrageous way in his time to say, I love you enough to step in and healed them. That was my Jesus. See, Jesus was the guy who stood there when the woman caught in adultery was about to be stoned to death, which, by the way, was law at the time and the right thing to do, and stepped in and said, have any of you not sinned then? If you haven't, you throw the first stone. And they all had to drop their stones. The woman turned to Jesus and he says to her, are your condemners here? And she says, no. And he says, and I don't either. See, that's my Jesus. He's outrageous. Stepping into situations to set people up, to burst out of boxes. Do you feel like those people I've just mentioned felt boxed in or burst out? Uh, well, the answer's burst out. Because we're so quiet in church this morning. I love it that Jesus challenged the religious leaders of his day. You know, I have a big issue when people call me religious. Because actually, I have a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus wasn't religious. The religious leaders of his day, Jesus called them vipers and snakes. That's how religious Jesus was. Jesus was about a relationship with his father, where we are in love with him so much, we just want to do our best to honor him. It's not about a bunch of rules. And so Jesus came and he challenged them and said, you think this, but you live like that. You're so white on the outside, but you're like an empty tomb on the inside. You're disgusting. That was my Jesus. You see, he came in and broke all kinds of barriers in a name of outrageous love. Before anyone would acknowledge who he was or what he was doing, he just got on and lived like that. He was the one who opened the eyes of the blind. And the people chose to crucify him. The people chose to trump up some charges, which we all know weren't true, and put him on a cross. The question is, did he set people up to win and break them out of boxes? Or didn't he? The question is, does this outrageous love actually bring a good new day? Ask the woman caught in adultery. Ask the leper. Ask the blind person. Ask any of you who have met Jesus. Does meeting Jesus bring a good new day? And I want to say it's because of outrageous love in the first place that he chose before you did, I'm going to love you. 
And then when you respond, you receive the benefits of that outrageous love. So I want to give you three reasons to consider being an outrageous second miler. And here's the first one. It breaks vicious cycles. You see, Exodus 21 is what Jesus is referring to there, and he talks about an eye for an eye. And it is fair. It is fair. If someone punches you in the face, it's fair to punch them back in the face. If someone steals 100 quid from you, it is fair to get that 100 quid back. It is fair if someone calls you something horrible behind your back that you go and call them something. That's fair. It's eye for an eye stuff. All of that is fair. But it just perpetuates this cycle of viciousness and hatred and bad. It's all fair, and we get it all, but it never stops. And yet James 2.13 in my Bible tells me this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And you see, if you stole a hundred pounds from me, the judgment is that I want that hundred pound back. But mercy triumphs over judgment. And actually, if I could understand that, that means I have the potential to be a bit outrageous and have mercy on you and say, do you know what? I love you too much. It's all right. I'm going to let it go. and I'm going to trust my father. That's outrageous. We're all sitting here going, really? What? But what it does is it breaks a cycle. It stops something dead and it brings a new day. Outrageous love always brings a new day. I love this for me personally. It means that before my Heavenly Father, every time I stuff up, and it's quite regular. Give me a wave if you regularly stuff up. Yes, I love the honest people in the room. Anyone who didn't put their hand up, yeah, whatever. I stuff up on a regular, I do my best not to stuff up, but I stuff up. But mercy triumphs over judgment. When I stuff up, I deserve judgment. But God says, because of my son Jesus, who, by the way, was a little bit outrageous, I'm going to have mercy on you. So I'm not going to count that against you. I'm going to, yeah, I love you too much. Oh, I've done it again. Yeah, I love you too much. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I love you too much. Mercy triumphs over judgment, which sets me up for a good day today. You know, and even if I do it wrong today, even if this preach goes belly up and I really stuff it up and you walk away going, what a mug was that all about? Tomorrow's a new day for me. And it will be a better one for you tomorrow as well. Mercy triumphs over judgment and it's good. We have the best message of all time in humanity. And yet we somehow wrestle within it. Outrageous love breaks a cycle. We will all understand, I hope you've never experienced it, but we will all understand something of gang culture. And it goes a little something like this. You're hanging out with a bunch of guys and girls and you're hanging out with them and cross paths and just having a bit of gentle banter and someone says something the other doesn't like. Like, what's that coat you're wearing? Just a flippant comment. This guy takes offence to it. I like this, it's a brand new coat. Spent a lot of money. You see what you're saying about my coat? I'm not happy about that coat. It starts off with a comment about coat, people. He says, well, yeah, I like your coat. And then this guy slaps him across the face. And this guy's like, did you see him slap me across the face? Then the knives come out. Then the blood flows. Then someone dies. Now there's honor on stake. And this thing just gets out of hand. He talked about a coat. But it seems to self-perpetuate that that comment about something flippant like that ends up in people getting killed and stabbed and blood flowing in the name of honor. Wouldn't it take an outrageous second miler to step in and go, I'm not doing that? 
it would break a cycle. It would bring a new day. Now, for most of us, and probably all of us, we've never lived that life. Unfortunately, it's going on a lot in our country right now, but we've never lived this life. But how about this? How many marriages would still be going today if an outrageous second mile was in the marriage? You did that to me. You said that about me. But I love you too much. I'm going to let mercy triumph over judgment in this. I could walk away, but I love you too much. I wonder how many finances would be better if when the business deal was done and that person didn't pay up and you took them to court and ended up on this cycle of going in and out of court and, and the solicitor's charging you seven million pounds per letter, you know, it just gets out of hand. James is a solicitor, he charges at least that. Plus that. <laughs> but it gets out of hand and this vicious cycle keeps going. But an outrageous second miler says, do you know what? My God loves me. He's going to provide for me. He's going to protect me. And I'm going to stop the cycle. Even if it costs me something. I wonder whether we can understand what that looks like. I wonder if you're in the business scene in your office and you've come up with a great idea and the boss is so chuffed with you, but someone else steals the idea and takes credit for the idea. How does that feel? Do you go around the office telling everyone? Probably. But wouldn't an outrageous second miler just say, do you know what? I'm going to back you. I'll work with you on the project. If you get all the glory for it, great. That's outrageous. But this is the kind of thing that Jesus is calling us to. And when you live that life, it says, seek first the kingdom of God, and I, my God in heaven, will give you all the things you need. Who's your provision, God or the boss? After all, God made the boss and owns the money the boss is handling. So when you please God, you're on a winner, people. But the reality is we wrestle with our humanity that this isn't fair. It's not right. I'm being done over. Do you know what? Get over it. And be a little bit outrageous. Because Jesus is saying, turn the other cheek. Jesus is saying, give him your coat. Jesus is saying, go another mile. And you can understand now in our context, that's pretty outrageous. But it's the kind of love we're called to. And it breaks vicious cycles. Something I've always been hugely moved by, challenged by, hope I never have to do, and wonder if I could, is when you see a Mum and a dad come on TV, we've all seen it, and their daughter or their son has been murdered. And they come out and they say, we forgive them. See, right there is outrageous. Oh, I hope that never happens to any of us. But it moves me when I see it. Because they could live the rest of their life in bitterness. But they are choosing to be outrageous. Not every time. But more often than not, those people who have a faith. And they're reflecting the heart of the Father to that person. We're not going to hold you there because actually by holding you there, I'm holding me here. And when you let it go, you let yourself go. And it brings a new day. Can you see? Outrageous love always brings a new day. And a new day with God is a good thing. The second thing outrageous second milers do is reveal Jesus. You know, most of us here who are Christians, we'd love it if our friends, family, co-workers, study partners found Jesus because we believe in walking out life with Jesus the best way. And so what we do is we put a cod on our car. Anyone seen the fish on the back of a car? <laughs> cod on the car. 
Now, is that going to show someone Jesus? It might. In my opinion, it probably doesn't. All it really does is when you cut them up, they go, oh, typical Christian. <laughs> cut me up, look caught on the car, see? We Bible bash people. Do you believe? Is that going to show them Jesus? Probably not. Maybe in some circumstances. We tell them what words we don't use and what music we don't listen to and what programs we don't watch. And we're all very proud of ourselves, but does that show them Jesus? But so often that's what we think we do. But I want to tell you that outrageous love always shows people Jesus. Because they're like, wow, it moves people. Here's Jesus. The same Jesus who healed the sick. The same Jesus who fed people. The same Jesus who taught people the love of the Father. The same Jesus who stepped into difficult situations and set people free. The same Jesus who challenged the religious leaders of the day because they were just oppressing people. This was Jesus who got caught by trumped-up charges and hung on a cross. But before he got there, they put a crown of thorns on his head, and he took it. And he got whipped to within an inch of his life, and he took it. And he carried his own cross up a hill, and took it. And he was hanging there on the cross. Now, what does an outrageous second mile do in that moment? I always think that you find out who you really are in your low times. We can all be amazing when everything's going well. You'll be the best person on the planet when your finances are good, your love life's good, your health's good, you've got a holiday booked, you've got a new car coming. Yeah, you're the best person in the world. What about when you've got none of that and you're struggling to meet next week's bills? Then you find out who you are. But here is Jesus in his lowest moment. He's carrying the sin of the world. It gets so dark, the whole clouds come over and it gets completely pitch black. His father turns away from him because he can't look at the sin he's carrying. Do you know what the outrageous second miler who is Jesus did in that moment? Hang in there. People going, call yourself the Messiah, you idiot. King of the Jews, wah! Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is outrageous. But it brings a new day. And I want to say, could you do that? Could you live the kind of life which is a little bit outrageous, but brings someone into a new day, breaks a cycle, and demonstrates Jesus? Shall I show you what happened in that moment? It's here in Matthew 27, 54. When the centurion, now a centurion by its name is a guard who is ahead of a hundred other guards. He's a boss man. That means he's a hardened warrior. He's been in battle. He's earned his stripes. He has seen death. You've seen all the films. It's horrendous. This is the guy we're talking about here. Who was guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. They feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. This wasn't a Christian. This wasn't someone who'd been in the temple. This was a Roman soldier, a hardened warrior, who in that moment of outrageous love said, that was the Son of God. How does it make people in your world feel when you're as outrageous as Jesus? Because if a centurion acknowledged it, maybe your mate might acknowledge it. But our trouble is, are we prepared to be the outrageous second milers? Or is it actually, it's just not fair on me? And that's a wrestle. 
but it's a wrestle I feel called to challenge you with. Because I want to be leading a church full of outrageous second miles that are changing the world. This town should be different because you're in it. But it will only happen if we start living the life Jesus called us to. And that's a tough one. The third thing it does is it refreshes your relationship with God. You know, when you take the slap, when you go further than is required of you, when you give something over, it puts you in this deep place with God. You know, it's not a normal way to respond. It's the Jesus way to respond. But it lines you up with him. It causes you to be living the life that Jesus lived. And therefore, you need, can I say it again, you need him to come through. If you're forgiving that debt, if you're giving up your time, if you're taking the slap, you need God to come through because if God doesn't, no one's going to. And when you get to that place where you need him, you get deep with him and suddenly you feel the weight of the Father's love who is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I'm going to lift you up. It puts you in this place of deepness and causes you to experience a life that Jesus came to pay for. It's always been his heart, always been his heart that you'd have an outrageous life. Wouldn't it be cool if you come to the end of your time, whenever that might be, and you look back and you go, wow, that was amazing. Rather than, wow, that was okay. And if you want it to be amazing, you've got a decision today to say, I'm going to live like Jesus lived. I'm going to be a bit outrageous. And in doing that, you find yourself in this deep place with God, which refreshes your understanding of him. All the while you're fighting for yourself, you're self-sufficient. God's there. You may believe in him, you may not, and he's there. But when you actually live like him, he comes under you and says, there you are. I've got you in my hand now. And it takes you to a new place with the Father, and it's where he wants you to be. You saw what happened with Dad on the stage. You saw what happened with me and Evie on the stage. Well, that is the relationship your father wants with you. But it comes from that place of intimacy. It comes from that place that I have a relationship with Evie. It comes from that place where Dale and Grace hang out every day, get to know each other and rely on each other. It gets us into that deep place. And I love this quote from Nelson Mandela, inspirational man. And he said this, if people can be taught to hate, surely people can be taught the Jesus way to love. And wouldn't it be amazing if churches across the planet actually started to love like Jesus? Not judging people for whatever it might be, the way they look, the way they dress, the music they listen to, their sexuality, their health situation, the way they handle their finances. We can all judge those things or we can love people. And when we shift ourselves to be like Jesus, and it might be outrageous for you, you will leave a mark on people's lives where it causes them to say, that was the Jesus I was looking for. It's not the sticker on the car. It's not the telling him what you do and don't do. It's the outrageous love which leaves a mark on people's lives. Matt, I wonder if we could have a keyboard. That would be helpful. My hope in all of this, when we've looked at sacrificial love, when we've looked at tender love and tough love, now we've looked at outrageous love, my hope in all of this, if we can put all this together, and say, Lord, help me to be a little bit more like that. Maybe all these things are a huge leap out there for you, but could you take one step towards it? Now, I guarantee you, before the end of the day, you will have an opportunity to be outrageous or to be normal. Guarantee it will happen. And I want to challenge you, will you take the opportunity 
to be a little bit outrageous, to be that second mile runner that just says, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to turn the cheek. I'm going to go further. And in doing so, I will leave a mark of Jesus on someone's life and it will bring a new day. Is that a concept that we agree with? Could that be you? Because the world would be a different place if we all started doing that. I just want to invite you to stand up. I'd love to pray for you. Just invite you to close your eyes. You don't have to if you don't want to, but it's just really cool just to give you full attention for a moment. No rules here if you don't fancy that. That's totally fine. But Lord, I want to lift up people here today who have been done down, who have had a slap in the face, who have had things robbed from them, who have just experienced the wrong end of life. Maybe feeling a bit angry, hurt, bitter feeling like it's just not fair Lord I want to come alongside those people right now and say Father just put your arms around them and remind them of who you are you're our health you're our provision you're the one who brings righteousness you're our dad in heaven and you love us how about people choose right now and let it go just going to let it go Outrageous as that might seem, I choose right now to let it go. How about today for you is a new day? Because you're prepared to be a little bit outrageous. You didn't deserve it. But God's got you. It's okay. I just wonder if there's anyone here today and and I really hope there's lots of you who are prepared to say yes I take that challenge I'm going to do my very best to be that outrageous second miler whatever that might look like in my life I'm going to take the opportunity just to go beyond myself and get into that deep place with you that someone might get marked by who Jesus is if that's you today and you're saying yes I want to take that challenge give me a little wave I'm going to pray for you Bless you, 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 bless you. Lots of people. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, you see the hands and you see the hearts. I just pray you give us a fresh level of grace, that unmerited favor, that ability from heaven to be outrageous, to love people on a new level, to go beyond ourselves and what's normal and to step into what was the Jesus way of loving. Thank you, Lord God, that it will bring new days and good days that cycles will be broken, that Jesus will be revealed, that we'll find the new depth of our relationship with you, Father. I say, go, church. You can do it. You can do it. Be encouraged. You can do it. You can do it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And just lastly, and I always want to give this opportunity, is there anyone here today who has arrived in this place just a little bit distant in their relationship with Jesus? You come into this place and you feel a bit stirred again. And maybe today's a day you want to just pray a prayer and say, Lord, I I need to be close to you. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer and just something has resonated with you this morning. I want to give you opportunity. It's today the day you choose to get close to Jesus. If that's you, just with every eye closed, just give me a wave. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. Bless you there in the middle. Bless you there. That's three people. 
So, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer together, and we're standing with our family. So I'll pray a line. Let's all pray the other line together. And just celebrate that people are getting closer to Jesus. A new day begins. So let's pray. Father God, thank you that you love me just the way I am. I choose to give you my heart and to invite you into the middle of my life. Lead me forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's celebrate with heaven.